first reading is taken from Exodus chapter 12, beginning at verse 31, which is found on page 69, if you want to follow. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go, and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs, wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold for clothing. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast, because they had been driven out of Egypt, and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now the length of time the Israelites' people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt, because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. This is the word of the Lord. Our reading continues uh, just over the page in chapter 14, beginning at verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We've let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites, who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Piharoth, opposite Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then we move on to verse 21. 
Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back into its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. This is the word of the Lord. So over this summer, we are thinking about Moses. And we have learned about how he was born, how he was kept safe, how he was rescued from, um, from death and looked after in the Egyptian palace, how he grew up and how he met God in the burning bush, and how God said to him, I have a plan for you, Moses. You are going to be the one that helps my people escape from Egypt, and how difficult that was for Moses. Because Pharaoh didn't want to hear this. And last week we heard about how God sent lots of different plagues upon the people in the land, and how eventually, when we get to today's passage... Pharaoh says, enough is enough. Okay, okay, Moses, you win. Your God is great. You can go with all your people. And that's where we've got to today. Pharaoh has come to the point of saying yes. The people of Israel, the people of God are free to leave Egypt. So you can imagine the rush Suddenly they've got the yes, we can go. And they get together all their stuff and they rush to leave. There isn't even time for the yeast to be added to the dough. They take their bread with them. And that is why the Jewish people at Passover have unleavened bread. To remember this rush out of Egypt. They did have a bit of time to get some gold from the Egyptians, as we read in our passage. That's interesting. No time to add the yeast, but a bit of time to get some gold. But today's not the day to look into that. But there was a huge number of them. This was not just a few little people trickling across the water. In 
chapter 12, if we look at verse 37, we see that the Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides the women and children. This is a huge operation to get the people out of Egypt. And of course, there's something in the way. There is water in the way. That would have been hard enough. But as they're getting ready to escape across the water, Pharaoh changes his mind. And having said, yes, they can go, I don't quite know how he suddenly realized this. He thought, that's an awful lot of people leaving Egypt. That's a huge workforce I'm going to be losing. Oh my goodness me, I'm going to change my mind. I don't want them to leave after all. So they set off after them. So Moses has this dilemma. God has said he is to lead his people out. He's got the Egyptians chasing after him. And some water, the sea, in front of him. But God never fails. And God tells Moses to stretch out his hand over the sea. And the waters are divided. Massive wall of water, one imagines, on either side. Quite how it stays up there and the science of that. Let's again not go into that in too much detail. But what we see is that God provides rescue. A way across on dry land for his people to escape into the promised land. And as the Egyptians are coming, tearing behind them, as the last of the people cross, the water fills up over again. And so the Israelites are safe. And they have gone into the promised land that God has promised them. God is their deliverer. God has rescued them. This is the great escape. And it's only possible because of God. And God says to his people, you need to tell people, the future generations of this. On this night, in verse 42 of chapter 12, on this night all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honour the Lord for the generation to come. This story is told from one generation to another. God is the God who rescued his people from Egypt. And throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, but into the New Testament, we see God described as the God who rescued us from Egypt. Many of the Psalms start this way, Oh God, our God, you are the one who rescued us from Egypt. It's hugely important because it tells us something about who God is, the one who saves. And that story is to be told from one generation to another. Now, I wonder what we pass on from one generation to another. A survey took place a few years ago, and there are ten top things that are passed on from one generation to another. And some of them you may recognize. First thing is money. Money is passed on from one generation to another, usually at death, but not always. Jewelry. Again, often at death, jewelry is passed from one generation to another. Toys. 
Toys can be passed down from one generation to another. Who has a loft full of toys that they had when they were children? Or or that your children had, that they've grown up. That's what I've got. I've got a loft full of my children's toys that they say, oh, don't get rid of it, mum. But, you know, you know that when it comes to it, they'll look at it and think, why has my mum kept that? Well, you wanted me to. Toys can be passed down. And actually, it's something very special about playing with a toy that belonged to your, your parent or your grandparent. Very precious, these things that can be passed down. Now we get on to some th- things that are not actual items. We can pass on a football team to support. How many of you have passed on a favourite football team from one generation? To, I wonder if there's any children who are football team supporters does anybody support a football team here? Colin supports a football team. Who do you support, Colin? Spurs. Spurs. And has that gone down through your family? Yes, and my grandfather. Your grandfather. Is that why Colin's one, or is that? Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. So Spurs has gone down through all those generations. Joe. Liverpool. And why do you support Liverpool? Good plan. Your mum supports Liverpool and you like red. That's a really good reason. Fantastic. We can pass down a preference for a football team. Family recipes. Ringing any bells? You've got family recipes that are passed down. What's a favourite family recipe in some families? Welsh cakes. Welsh cakes. That's a surprise, Esther. <laughs> Anything else? Nancy, have you got one that's passed down? Parking. Fantastic. Keep the northern heritage running down into the south. That's what we like. Now, what is the... I've forgotten my next thing. Number six. A favourite film or genre of film? Mr. Packenham. Do you have a favourite film that's been passed down to your children? Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So the Packenham family sit down and think, what shall we watch? The Cat in the Hat. I know that Guy's a film buff, which is why I asked him. Any other films being passed down? Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. So again, as a whole family, you can sit down and that's what you like watching. Fantastic. Family traditions, especially at celebrations. Think of Christmas. Think of how many of the celebrations and the way you celebrate Christmas has been passed down through your family. Next one's interesting. The prejudice... A prejudice either towards or against a make of car. In my family, the prejudice against is against Fords. I have no idea why. But in our family, for two generations, they said never buy a Ford. Now, in fact, my son now has bought a Ford. But for some reason, my parents and grandparents said, no, 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 don't ever buy a Ford. Anyone resonate with that? Either a prejudice for or against? Emma. Sorry? I was told never to buy a French car. Never to buy a French car. That was before Brexit as well, wasn't it? Wow, never to buy a French car. Any other preferences or prejudices against cars? That's another thing that can be passed down. Number nine and ten are very similar. Special story told aloud. At Christmas time, we had um, a, a lovely... On Christmas Eve, we would bring out a book that we would read. And um, Harvey Schlumpfenberger's uh, cr- Last Christmas. And the boys loved hearing that. 
and a favourite book, a favourite book that can be passed down. My mum liked certain books that she actually kept and I read the copies that she had read and um, that was passed down and she told me about those. I didn't have girls to pass some of those girly books down to. She liked the Shelley School but my boys didn't really want to read the Shelley School so I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't pass that on. I did talk to somebody, Noel Stretfield was the other one. Anybody know Noel Stretfield? Ballet shoes. And I was delighted to go and visit one family of girls. And the girl was, one of the girls was reading ballet shoes. I thought, fantastic, somebody who understands my background. And we had a lovely chat about Noel Stretfield. But it is interesting what we pass down from one generation to another. I wonder what's going to be passed down to William. What will be passed down? I wonder if a love of horses is going to be passed down. Do you reckon? Love of, or even already? He already loves horses. Emily has horses. And so you already love horses. And I wonder if you're going to become a technical wizard. Do you reckon so? Because your daddy is. So some of our skills and our abilities and our gifts and our loves are passed down from one generation to another. In our passage, God is saying it's really important to pass things down from one generation to another. Not a prejudice against a car, because that's neither here nor there. What is really important to pass down is our values and our understanding about God. That is what we need to take seriously. The people of God knew that he was a God who rescued them. And they passed that down as the most vital piece of information. So when their children would say, who is God? They would not even hesitate. God is the one who rescues. And they could tell the story of how God had rescued and how he had continued to rescue. And the whole story of the Bible is the one of the God who rescues Can we say with confidence who we know God is in our lives? And can we pass down the stories that back that up? We can go back to the Bible, but what about in our lives? Can we pass down the knowledge that God is a great God who loves us? Can we with confidence be saying that to the next generation? On the children's sheets today, they're slightly ahead of us, so some of the puzzles are for next week. Uh, or for, um, I think it's a passage that we're not covering exactly because they're slightly out of order. But on one, on one side is, a, pa- is a, a label that says, God is with his people. And that's really relevant today. God is with his people. And it says, draw or write about two places where God is with you. I wonder if any of the children have already had a little look at that. It doesn't matter if you haven't. Have you had a look at that? Have you written anything in that box? Would you be happy to tell us? In our hearts and everywhere. Perfect. That is wonderful. Because God is with his people everywhere. And in our hearts. And that's a really special thing to be able to say and to know. We need to know where God is with us. Our children need to know that God is with them wherever they are. Whether they're at school having a bad day. Whether they've fallen out with their friends. 
whether they're facing a difficult time in their life, God is with them. Sometimes we can't rescue our children as we would like to. Sometimes we would love to be the one who rescues and the one who saves. But actually, circumstances and situations are such that our children have to go through tough times. But what we can share with them is a knowledge that no matter what happens, God is with them. And we might do that by just constantly telling the story. It's almost too late when you're in the bad time to say, it's okay, God is with you. Because you need to know all the way along that God is with you. So are we talking and sharing the stories and the confidence that we know that God is with us in our hearts and everywhere? Are we passing on the joy of being part of God's family? The importance of belonging to people outside of our neutral family? Are we saying this is a special place to come and be and to belong? Where we all belong together. Because sometimes our children will come in and out of wanting to be at church. But if they have known this as a place where they belong and where it's important to belong, you just never know when that's going to come in and be important to them. Are we passing on the love of Jesus? That Jesus saves. That Jesus offers us salvation, grace and mercy. Are we sharing the stories of the amazing things that God has done in our life? God's people were really strong on passing on from one generation to another. And we need to remember that we need to be strong in that. Firstly, we need to be strong in it for ourselves. We need to know who God is and have a firm conviction and experience of that. And then we are able to pass that on with confidence to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. We sang earlier, Oceans. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. We don't know what life brings. We don't know what lies ahead for us, let alone our people, our children and our grandchildren. God's people leaving Egypt didn't really know what lay ahead of them. This was a dangerous escape. God was there every time. But he didn't give them the advance plan. He didn't say, I'll explain it all in great detail in advance so you know exactly how it will be. They had to go in trust. I think we forget that the people in the Bible were just like us. That they were terrified. Yes, they had faith in God, but that faith was stretched to the limit. And they had to step out in trust. And God came. And God revealed himself to them. But they had to step out. And we have to step out. And we can only do that because we have learned from those who have gone before us and from our own experience of who God is. You call me out into the unknown and there I find you. There I find you in the mystery and in oceans deep. 
my faith will stand. That's a good thing to pass on. That's a good thing for William to grow up knowing. But today is a marker for him. A day where we have said, we long for you, William, to know God in your life as the one who will come and surround you with his love. Yes, and it's so exciting. It is. And we long for that for each one of us and for those who are precious to us. God is the one who saves. God is the one that we can call out to and who will come and be with us in the deepest places. Amen.